but it's a real time waster because you can play with these you know that's <laughs> it's a double-edged sword you know <laughs> I, spent, I spent last friday afternoon building bots <laughs> So, but I don't think it's too much of a waste of time because I think Friday afternoons is not a great time to get hold of people, is it really? So, no, exactly. So I you keep I'd... telling yourself that, Joe. That's a good justification. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. Today Joe is interviewing Joe Moffat of Woodread. Joe and Joe met through the Engage for Success radio show where they are co-hosts, just to confuse everyone with the same name. They've also worked together through Joe Moffat's business, Woodread. Joe has been closely involved with the Engage for Success movement as a volunteer since its launch in 2012. She sits on the core team and hosts the weekly Engage for Success radio show. The Engage for Success agenda is absolutely aligned with Joe's vision to make workplaces better places to be. Joe is passionate about brands and their power to move people. She is equally passionate about employee engagement and its vital role in delivering a high performing organisation. Put the two together and she becomes almost evangelical about the power a well positioned and consistently delivered brand has as a catalyst for employee engagement and business success. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Joe Moffat of Woodread and I'm very excited to interview Joe because Joe and I are actually co-hosts on the Engage for Success uh, podcast. Uh, so we generally don't speak to each other <laughs> because we're normally if speaking we to other it. people. <laughs> exactly. So really good to have you on my show, Joe. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. I, it's going to be quite a, quite a challenge this, isn't it, as to who ends up interviewing who. But hopefully <laughs> I, will, I will try and behave myself and, um, and do as I'm bid. Yes, good, do. And and the other thing I think I said to you a long time ago is you, you always confuse me as well with your name because you're a Moffat with two T's and my mother-in-law's family are Moffats with one T. So I always have to stop and think when I'm writing everybody's names, which ones they are. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. And, and certainly the fact that we're both Joe confuses the hell out of our radio, it doesn't it? So, it does. Yeah, my personal favourite was one where I'd met the person at a conference and he emailed me on the day to say, I'm ready. And I didn't get the email till you'd interviewed him. And then I sent him a message the next day and said, just to be clear, just so that you're not uh, wondering what was going on. I said, that wasn't me that interviewed you. I said, I just thought I'd let you know in case you thought that I was a bit different this time. <laughs> so, yes, I, I suspect I was slightly confused. <laughs> Um, well, I yes, and just as well I didn't know about it probably. So no, okay. so it's uh, it's uh, interesting, and you've got somebody on the show actually uh, next week who has been on this podcast as well. So uh, it's all getting very confusing. Oh right, oh, <laughs> and okay. not only that, she's um 
she's married to a, a, an old friend of mine from 30 years ago so it's all very interesting all these oh intricacies of podcasting yeah absolutely <laughs> oh right yes well, I'll um, I don't know what that one's about yet I need to gen up on that and yeah. uh, and see remote but, working but anyway yes right okay yes so lovely to have you here um so start by telling us uh who you are what you do and where you do it okay okay so yes as you say um i'm from woodread woodread is my own business i'm um, founder and managing director um of what is what we describe as a specialist advertising agency um and um it, it, people wonder, well, what what exactly does that mean? Um, What it means in very simple terms is that we take the creativity, the techniques, the rigor, the approach of the advertising world, the marketing world, and we apply those techniques and skills to the internal audience. So we are, if you like, the ad agency for an organization's people. Um, And it really brings together, it fuses together for me, um, my two passions. Uh, so passion number one, the one that I sort of discovered first was a passion for brands. Um, I love brands. I love what they're what they are about. I love the whole process. I love thinking about brands. I love seeing what they do. I get ridiculously excited um, as, as Christmas approaches and the um, imminent unveiling of the John Lewis TV ad um, comes around for another for the next time, you know, for the first time. Um, yeah. So brands get me out get me out of bed and always have done very excited by that but I'm equally um, as excited although I sort of came to it slightly later in my professional life about the whole topic of employee engagement um, and the importance of an engaged workforce to deliver organizational success and and I guess what gets me really really excited is when I confuse the two so bringing Mm -hmm. together the thinking of the brand world the thinking and the techniques of the advertising world along with the methodologies and the uh, approach um, that uh, that go to make an engaged workforce and we bring those two together I think we can create really exciting things I was actually reading something um, on online today of a guy that I've just connected with on LinkedIn who talks about how you can really make magical things happen when you engage your workforce and I thought that was a lovely I love that idea of making magical things happen I thought it was uh, you know, it was really nice I wish I'd said it first actually <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what I do, um, and we do it um, from uh, offices in Kent. We're on a business park in in West Malling, um, which used to be actually a, a World War Two um, RAF um, aerodrome, reputed to be um, haunted by Guy Gibson and um, various um, other RAF fighter pilots uh, from World War Two. Um, I haven't seen any of them myself lurking around, but um, yeah, it's turned into a business park and a, and a, and a giant housing estate, um, but we're in the business park end of it. Um, uh, but that's where we work from, but obviously we can yeah. go all over the country for, for clients and, and, and client work. But, you know, increasingly um, in the, well, it's 27 years since we started Woodread, uh, which is a terrifying thought actually, it makes people can really work out then how old I am. Um, <laughs> but um it, it, it staggers me how things have changed in the last 27 years in terms of the uh, way in which business is done. And you were talking about our guest next week on the radio show who's going to be talking about working from home and remote workers and flexible workers. And and that has just been such a, a massive change. You know, it used to be that I would be spending my working day driving from one end of the country to the other to face to face meetings. And if I wasn't doing that, I'd be on the phone all day. Uh, as indeed were my colleagues, we were all doing that. Um, and now 
it's just totally different. So much of it is just done by email or online apps, online platforms. It's um, it's changed changed beyond recognition, actually. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Which and of course, uh, what you're what this is all about, isn't it? About all yeah. the ways in which these things have have changed, and and I guess it's about how you make these things work for you rather than becoming a slave to them. Yes, yeah, and the fact that you know we can have these interviews from our own offices. So you know, I'm also in Kent, but we're a few miles away from each other, <laughs> but it yes. still works. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and yeah, the the fact that we can do this. I mean, when I first started out, if you wanted to do something like this, you'd have to hire out a studio in Soho, and you that would be the whole day, and you'd go up there, and it cost an arm and a leg. Of course, you'd have the added advantage of being able to drink copious amounts of gin afterwards, but uh, which obviously <laughs> don't get when we do things like this but you know it's changed the world has, has changed radically yes yeah not to mention it is only the middle of the day so maybe we wouldn't be drinking so much gin quite this mo- at this moment although it has been known hasn't it joe <laughs> it has been known after we've completed some work regardless of the time of day we have once or twice been known <laughs> on the odd occasion to on celebrate. the odd occasion absolutely exactly. so tell us a bit more about why you do what you do so you've talked about the sort of uh, the connection between the, the branding and the employee engagement. But, you know, you started a business 27 years ago. Clearly, you know, you were one of those um, child entrepreneurs. Of course, I, <laughs> when I was in brownies. <laughs> yeah, everyone else was uh, selling cookies and you were yeah. setting up a branding agency. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, wh- how did that come about? Why are you, you know, running a business? Why are you doing what you do in the way that you do it? Oh, my goodness. Um, why am I doing what I do? I guess, well, it, it started because I was working um, I was working on what, what I will describe as client side of the fence. So I was working in a marketing department. I, well, I started out in sales and then I ended up working in the marketing department of what was then um, Kimberly Clark. And at that point had Kleenex as its um, one of its lead brands and its brand portfolio doesn't 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 so much now, I don't believe. Um, and um, I was working in-house client side as they say and I just I just saw the I had was having interactions with the ad agencies I was working in marketing and I thought oh this looks you know this looks really rather exciting I rather fancy this world and I kind of got to a point in the in the business where it was um, I suppose I was getting a bit frustrated I'd I'd achieved a number of things that I wanted to achieve there um, and burst a few glass ceilings and become a been the sort of first woman to do this or the youngest person to do that and I thought well, where do I go now and I was finding myself coming up against a few brick walls in terms of um, that awful cultural thing that so often happens when people have ideas and yet everyone else says no we can't do that because we tried that once and it didn't work and you know just sort of <laughs> yeah. shutting shutting it down and I was I was just getting a bit bored so I thought I'll move over try and move over to the agency side which is what I did so I had a I had a few years in um, working on the agency side of the fence, loved it, realised that that was, you know, absolutely what I wanted to, to do. Um, and then um, I think it's it's a kind of very natural course, actually, when you're in that world that um, it comes a point when you think, you know, actually, we could do this. Um, and so broke away with a, at that time, I broke away with a colleague and we set up set up on our own. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. But it wasn't until oh goodness about 17 and 15 or so years after that that um i was joined by uh, charlotte dahl who's still with us um and was very uh, instrumental in 
making us look take a really hot, long hard look at what we were about as an agency up to that point we've been pretty much all things to all men you know for if, if a client asked us can you do something we would say yes um you know can you jump yes how high you know that was very much the attitude of we would be able to do pretty much anything which meant we were utterly undifferentiated we had no clear proposition we were just a creative agency um and charlotte came from a background uh, again a big big london agency background with a with a very with a much more rigorous approach to brand thinking and she uh, rightly so um made us stop and actually look at what we stood for and went through for ourselves as an agency the kind of brand planning exercise that um clients do all the time with their brands and we went through that exercise and looked at what we were where our real strengths lay where our real passions lay where we've got a real track record of doing fabulous work um and we looked at the market context we looked at what our clients and what prospective clients might say about us or were saying about us and it became very clear um that there was a route that we could go down that we could carve out for ourselves which was um one that was very timely really um which was basically saying comes back to what i was saying at the beginning that um there is an opportunity for organizations to use the, their brands and the power that brands have to engage people on an emotional level the power that brands have to engage and move people to do things um but to use that power to use that investment to use that inherent value that an organization has built up in its brand but to use that value to engage their people and it was at the same time um that we had developed parallel with this um a, a real understanding of the whole sort of internal audience and how they needed to be engaged the whole sort of thinking around what what at that point we discovered was called employee engagement um hadn't realized really too much at that point that, that there was a name for it we used to talk about the service profit chain um which was the sort of the methodology that everyone talked about at that point and then we discovered the mcleod report um which you know obviously you know brings us right up to where where how you and i first got to know each other mm. um the mcleod report around engaging for success and and what employee engagement was and how it mattered and how organizations could go about um developing a workforce that was going to be more engaged with the organization's purpose uh, line managers who were better able to lead and motivate their people a more effective and healthy culture um mm-hmm. the importance of listening to your people and we sort of applied to that the, the the sparkle and the catalyst if you like of the brand um and bringing the brand to life inside and so in 2008 we relaunched ourselves um as uh, still called kept ourselves um called woodreed but our strapline became inside out thinking for brands and the idea being that we were looking to join up the brand experience from the inside out so that mm. wherever anyone comes into contact with a, with an organization's brand they get a consistent experience because essentially um the shorthand of a brand is that it's a promise to your customers and your prospective customers um mm. but it's also it's also very much a um a, a sort of sh- blueprint for the growth of a business and that very much fits with the whole employee engagement proposition i think yeah i think it's really interesting that that it was charlotte that was the sort of catalyst for that i mean obviously it's impossible to say but what where do you think things might have gone or what might have happened had she not come in because that was quite a pivotal change for your business yeah yes it was i mean goodness where would where would we have gone i don't know i mean you know charlotte 
is a planner. That's what she is, an advertising agency planner. Um, over the last sort of 12 years, she's evolved more into sort of what we, we call her our creative planning director because she has far, she's sort of broader than simply a planning director. But but it was that a planner is very much the person that looks at the brand position and looks at the, um, uncovers the insights into the audience. And any business worth its salt ought to go through that process. Um, and um, I get, I think we would have, we would have probably done it um but the fact that she was part of our team and with us and was was inside the organization and took us all along with her i think was sort of key to it um key to it happening so yeah. no i don't yeah. i don't know quite honestly um I, yeah i think we would have got there eventually but i'm not sure it would have been wouldn't have been half as much fun because um, <laughs> she you know because she makes us laugh a lot so um and and you know we got we got to a very very clear and very differentiated proposition and I, I remember she always used to say I'm talking about it like she's dead she isn't she she always <laughs> used to say she always would would say let's put it that way she would say that um you know if you you, you have to stand for something you have to stand you have to have, you have to be able to stand for something and be differentiated and stand up for something and you can't just be all things to all men and um no. you know from a, from a business development perspective um, although we might all feel, oh, you don't want to shut down opportunities by by not pursuing certain areas, actually, um, it makes it a damn sight easier for everybody if you allow yourself to have a very clear proposition and a clear, almost a clear pigeonhole of where clients can put you, so that they know when they need service X, Y, Z, they can call on Woodreed, you know. So yeah, that's yeah, kind of how it works. That, that's a, a really key message. I was at a networking event last week, and somebody was talking about sort of shifting her business into to focusing more on what she enjoys rather than what what she's been selling up to now and it was interesting that uh she was very much talking about what she does and when I said you know who's it for who do you do that for it was all I can do that for anybody you know as long as mm. um in this case it was um to do with data analysis so she was basically saying you know anyone who's got data i can help them to analyze it which mm -hmm. of course is true <laughs> but yes. as you've just said doesn't actually speak to anyone in particular and mm -hmm. uh, so you know sort of cobbler's children because i'm i'm you know not great at uh, focusing in that way either for my own business but i can see it in other people's businesses or, or rather see the lack of it um, yes you, know. you, you have to be I mean I know it's a it's a it's a classic thing you have to be able to deliver an elevator pitch you have to be able to sum up in in you know in a matter of moments what it is that you do and why you know what it's about and um wherever you might run into people really mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah so. so tell us a bit about how you prioritize what you're doing between your your work and your life because you've run a business for for 27 years uh you have an office outside of the home but i know that you used to be based closer to, to home because uh you've sort of recently moved in, in the last few years haven't you and yeah. um you've, you we, know you've we, got we, children you know how, how's all of that worked yeah. Sorry, carry on <laughs> well no i mean yes we we started out in wood in woodridge started out in tunbridge wells hence our twitter handle as Tun Wells Woodies, um, <laughs> which you know, I created that Twitter account on my kitchen table, actually, when I back in 2008, as I looked, looked at this thing called Twitter and thought, what is it? Um, yeah. I just had a play. I mean, that's kind of classic, classic way I tend to do things, really. But um, but yes, yeah, you're right. I've got three children. Um, actually, they are now um, fully, fully grown. The youngest is 20. So um, we're not um, they're not quite 
quite as they were. But I couldn't, to be honest with you, um, I couldn't have done it uh, without my husband's support. He, we did a role swap when the, my our eldest child was 18 months old. We did a role swap, and he brought he brought the family up. And mm. certainly in the early years of running my own business, I honestly don't think I could have held it all together if I hadn't had a, um, someone at home making sure that there was food put into my mouth and clean clothes <laughs> to put on and um you know just do all of that household domestic personal admin that goes on in a life um mm-hmm. let alone a life with three children let alone a life with school and homework and all you know all that malarkey and yeah. and I have to say I haven't I haven't had to juggle both and I no. think um I absolutely uh personally would would have found that very very difficult I know that I had to when I did try to juggle things I had to be very I I found it very very difficult I found myself always feeling that I was failing on to do anything properly because I was trying to do everything and always felt that I was falling short so in the end I did actually have to do draw quite rigid lines and say no this is home this is work I can't juggle the two and yet I know other people who can do that brilliantly well you know Mm. they can brilliantly well be they can be writing a you know, reading an email or knocking an email out in with the right hand while doing a jigsaw puzzle with the left, you know, and bathing, <laughs> bathing a baby in the middle, you know. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know how they manage it, but I certainly couldn't do it. Um, no. But again, you know, it comes back to each to their own. It's about, it's why none of these rigid approaches, um, whether it be the rigid nine to five or the rigid must work from home all the time, um, really work because you've no. got to, you've got to recognize that people are individuals. Mm. and that different people have different strengths it's like I know you I'm forever seeing emails from you at 1 30 in the morning um yes. I couldn't do that you know mm. I I have to draw a line and say no that's and anyway I wouldn't be awake at half past one in the morning but but mm. you know it's it, it's horses for courses isn't it really yeah absolutely and it, it's something that you know I've increasingly come to understand in the last few years exactly that that it is about individual uh sort of needs and style and so on and uh, and I think that's sometimes some of the issue around productivity and you know there's, there's this this big thing about and I say it a lot in the podcast because as you know I'm and as you've just proved I'm a, a night bird rather than a, a an early morning person but you know there's so much um you know stuff out there saying oh you've got to get up at four o'clock and you know you've done your whole day by six o'clock and that's mm. the only way to be successful yes. uh, when actually it is all individual and it's about what's right for you as an individual isn't it absolutely absolutely yeah no it, it really really is I mean there are there are things you know there are skills you learn along the way that you kind of re- a- apply without necessarily thinking about it but they're skills that work for me or, or techniques that work for me no, may not necessarily work for you or, or no. someone listening to this interview really but no. but no. Um, yeah it's it's interesting I mean I think when I was thinking about um, the kind of things we might talk about today I was thinking actually a lot of the time the things that I do are the things I don't necessarily remember when I learned how to do them I yes. just kind of evolved that technique and that approach over the years you know mm-hmm. so 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 for example there was one um I'm sure people will be familiar with Stephen Covey and his you know habits of of highly successful people mm-hmm. um and the, the the Stephen Covey quadrant which yes um, years and years ago, every single person who worked at Woodread would have a little grid sticker on their computer monitor, 
and it was divided into four squares and there was um, urgent, was top left and um, top right was not urgent. And then the, um, sorry, the, the top left square was important and urgent. The top right square was important and not urgent. The bottom left square was not important, but urgent. And the bottom right square was not urgent and not important. And we went through a process years and years ago of just saying to people, just before you go racing off to do something and think you've got a million and one things to do, how am I ever going to cope with it all? Just take a moment to look and see where is it on that quadrant. Mm-hmm. And for years, those little stickers lived on people's monitors and then then they were gone. Um, but they're embedded. Do you, do you know what I mean? They, yeah. They've become yeah. just become part of the fabric of the way we do things mm-hmm. is that we think about which almost almost um you know automatically um without actually consciously thinking about it you know is this actually um not urgent and not important in which case it will be it will be forever dropping off the bottom of the to-do list in fact shouldn't really even have a place on there um or is it um not urgent but important and therefore we should set aside some time to start planning for that piece of work Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, just going through that process, and it's funny. I mean, I haven't read Stephen Covey's books um, <laughs> at all. Um, it's like so many of these things, isn't it? I haven't actually read Stephen Covey. I haven't actually read a complete book by Dan Pink, and yet I I, I know what they're saying. And I, you know, a lot of the time you don't actually have to read this stuff to pick up the the, the sort of gist of it, do you? No, um, no, and, no, apply, exactly. and apply these things. So, so mm. yeah, that one. Um, I haven't gone through the process. I haven't, um, you know, I haven't been coveyized or whatever the phrase is. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's a, it's just a really handy little, little technique. And, yes. um, you know, which do you do now? Which do you plan for? Which should you delegate? Which is the um, urgent but not terribly important. Then you can, you know, delegate those to people if you're lucky enough to have someone to delegate it to. Um, and then the, you know, the not urgent, not important, you can eliminate entirely. Um, mm-hmm. And it's simple. It's so simple. Um, and it was quite funny actually because I was looking, um, I was just looking on Google this morning at images of it just to, um, just to sort of uh, prompt my thinking a little bit for you. And yeah. You know, what staggered me was it was in essentially it was a really simple concept and yet in the way that management consultants and writers and authors and influencers cannot but help themselves doing there are umpteen million versions of it on the internet because everyone's had to have a fiddle with it you know yes. everyone's had to have a play everyone's had to go and say well I think I can make this better actually I think I yeah. can make it work more and and of course they can't actually you have to strip it right back to the basics and what there was nothing you know it didn't need to be fiddled with just leave it alone use yeah. it as it is and don't try and you know don't try and put icing on the on the cake when it no. you know, when it really doesn't need it so and actually maybe. I don't even think it was Stephen Covey's I think it was Eisenhower's <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you are. So, so shows you, you who's more famous out of the two of them, Stephen so Covey, what? obviously. <laughs> President Eisenhower. Is yes, this or, apparently. Right. Okay. So. Well, there you are. So Covey <laughs> stole it from Eisenhower and passed it off as his own. Marvellous. <laughs> there you are, you see. Even better. So, so continuing the theme about uh, how you get stuff done then, you, you obviously you use the quadrant um, process. How, Uncon- how you, unconsciously. Yes. Yeah. How, how else do you get make sure you get the right stuff done? Have you got um, to-do lists? Do you... Be more flexible yeah. how does it work 
Uh, what else do we use? Um, I, I suppose, yes, absolutely have to-do lists. I, um, I use Outlook, um, Microsoft. We've got Office 365. And mm -hmm. um, I, have, I, use, I use Outlook tasks, actually, um, a lot uh, to remind myself what needs to be done so I don't actually don't actually write a physical to-do list anymore that's gone the way of all flesh really but back in the day it was a it was a thing that we'd always write a to-do list before you went home from work at night you'd write a to-do list for the things to do the next day um, and yeah. I think that, that actually that is probably still one of the best disciplines you can have it's mm. just that maybe uh, technologies replace that a little bit but but yes I mean out, outlook tasks but I have to say I found a I found a lovely shiny new toy in the last month <laughs> oh, uh, <do> share. <laughs> I'm terribly excited about so um it, well it's not that new but I think that they've changed their business model um a bit and so it's HubSpot do you know HubSpot yes yeah I was a HubSpot certified consultant or something many years ago maybe not certified consultant whatever I did their thing right at the, in the early days when I was right. doing social media and stuff but yeah so okay. tell us more well well I, I don't know quite when they changed their model because I've known about them for years but mm. um, and tried using them a while back and it didn't just didn't quite work but anyway they've, they've changed their model I think um, whereby they have their CRM system which is at the mm -hmm. heart of everything that they do is utterly free yes. um, so for an organization which is relatively small for an organization you know every organization needs to sell you know it doesn't matter what you're doing whether you're making widgets or selling services or selling consultancy we all have to sell our product or services to somebody mm. and unless you're very lucky um, and that's a bit of a double-edged sword you don't have a sales team out there knocking on doors and, and, and opening conversations and having dialogue with prospective clients you have to do that at the same time as you're doing your day job yeah and for you know for small organizations especially for for one-man band consultants or sole practitioners it's a real problem this whole you go from sort of fat feast to famine you know, you're so busy working on the work that you don't you haven't got the capacity to actually get the next job in. And so by the mm -hmm. time you get to the end of that project, you realize you've actually got nothing in the pipeline. And it's a it's you know, it's a real challenge for any relatively small business. And certainly for sole practitioners, it's a it's a real problem. So how do you manage your sales channels and your sales pipeline? And I've, I'm just loving this HubSpot thing because, the C, as I say, the CRM, the customer relationship, uh, management at the heart of it is absolutely free um, but it means that I can send an email to somebody and instead of me having to manually file that somewhere and tell it tell myself when to remember to follow that up um, it all happens for, it all happens automatically it, it all mm. it all just builds this lovely little database and this lovely stories of who you've spoken to and what you've said to them and what they've said to you all all just without you having to actually do a thing and it reminds you when to follow things up and it it creates all kinds of there are all kinds of really interesting and cool little widgets and um, templates and techniques in it um, including things like booking meetings that's all free um, and um, yeah but, but the business model is quite neat because you get to a certain point absolutely free and then if you want to have something a bit more sophisticated or a little bit more analytic, a little bit more analytics behind things, then you start to pay. 
So there mm. is a, a monthly fee that you pay depending on what extra elements you want. But the basic core thing is is absolutely free. So I I find that very exciting. I'm I'm loving playing with it at the moment. Um, yes. So, but it's a real time waster because you can play with these. You know, that's <laughs> it's a double edged sword. You know. <laughs> I spent I spent last Friday afternoon building bots. <laughs> <laughs> so, but oh, I don't think it's too much of a waste of time because I think Friday afternoons is not a great time to get hold of people, is it really? So, no, exactly. So I you thought keep I'd... telling yourself that, Joe. That's a good justification. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so yeah, that's, that's yeah. My, my latest shiny new toy. Yeah, with, cool. So. Now, I have tried that in the past and then uh, went back to Capsule CRM, which is what I use, but um, it hasn't got all the bells and whistles, as you say, so maybe I need to have another, yeah. another look at it. I do use them for the... They track um, email opens in Gmail, so I've I've got that set up. But um, oh right, yes, yes, yeah. I must have a look at that. Yeah, so, any good. other tools and apps that you particularly well, like? Not so, um, well, I love. I mean, I know it's a it's a Microsoft's big thing, but I do. I have to say, since we moved to Office three six five, that has changed my life. Um, so now we we used to have a whacking great server that that backed up everything every night and cost a fortune to um, back up off site so that we would have business continuity in the event of some desperate disaster befalling the world. Um, but it did it, it, it meant that it meant that when it snowed, um, we were we couldn't really people couldn't really work easily from home necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and since we've moved to Office 365, um, you, you know, you, you can literally be anywhere. And I know it's it's just the benefit of cloud cloud hosted stuff. But um, it's made an enormous difference that mm -hmm. it used to be that, you know, you would leave you'd leave. So you were going to be out of the office for a couple of days. Um, you'd have to save stuff to a memory stick and you'd have to plug it into your laptop and take it with you. And um, then things wouldn't necessarily be the right version. You know, now everything is just real time wherever you happen to be yes, um, yeah and um i know it's not particularly sexy i know it's not particularly exciting but i have to say it's been an enormous an enormous change uh, for us and it's certainly helped with collaboration so as members of the team do we do work flexibly i mean one of the things we've always been really really strong on at, at woodreed is is um, making it possible for working working mums to return to work you know we sort of embraced mm -hmm. the value of that years and years ago and have always tried really hard to make that happen and and that inevitably means giving people the freedom to choose when they do come to the office or when they work from home or whatever um, yes. and, and certainly office 365 um, being able to collaborate on a document um, has been a revelation you know to, to, to two of you to be on the same document when you're miles and miles apart talking to each other over over Skype for business and playing with the document together um, mm -hmm. and arguing about it and making it the best it can be, you know, is is great. And yeah. you know, it's it's just none of this ping ping pong email back and forth. I've had a look at it. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. And, you know, it it's just so much more in the moment and mm -hmm. so much more efficient, really. So so yeah, not particularly exciting, not remotely new, really, but. Um, has made an enormous difference um, but it's also great to hear that that it's it's being used and it's it's working really well because i think there's a lot of organizations that haven't embraced cloud software at all 
you know yet uh, i think you know sort of the very very small businesses the micro businesses the the one man band sort of businesses have and the big you know really big businesses have invested i think there's a as as there were you know when when social media came along and as digital started to come in and so on i think there's a load of businesses in the middle who mm. haven't and yeah, uh, yeah. You know, i worked with yeah. a, a client recently who were they needed some email training to enable people to be able to uh sort their emails and admin them so that they didn't keep running out of space on their server yes. <laughs> it's like you know you're really wasting money getting me to train them to do this especially when their consultants being paid a lot of money to basically admin their email you should just go to a cloud option but they were so anti doing that from a security point of view security. That, you know yeah. and, uh, but then you see i mean I've, I've, I've come across organizations and i think you know it's, it happens all the time is they worry about the security of the cloud and what they don't appreciate is that the what's actually happening is that vast numbers of their people are having documents on a local laptop, which they're taking with them here, there and everywhere. And then when they leave the business, that corporate memory is lost for good. They have yeah. no central support, no central repository. And it said central suppository then. I don't think that's the same thing at all. They, they don't have any kind of central repository where these things, where these files and, and documents are kept. You know, people are working locally, they're working on local laptops and things are gone. And then what, what you end up doing is you end up, um, as I say, that corporate memory is lost, but everything is then reinvented. You know, people yes. have so much time reinventing the wheel. It's just not true. Um, no, exactly. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's a funny, funny story, slightly, slightly re, re, um, adrift, but it reminds me what you were just saying about training people on emails um it is it does make me laugh sometimes the things that organizations want to get their people to be trained upon so mm. i heard this story from somebody who was telling me the other day that um they were asked to go into an organization and help them uh to put in some training and some workshops to help them to become more agile and that was the that was the that, that was what they wanted now that's all fine and dandy in itself there's nothing wrong with that at all but the irony of the whole thing is that they never ever managed to get the dates in the diary to make these agile workshops happen or even have a conversation <laughs> about whether they should proceed with the process because they would they were so totally and utterly devoid of agility they couldn't they couldn't <laughs> find the time to do it you know and that's a classic uh, isn't it? yeah there's so much irony exciting. in business isn't there <laughs> there certainly is but, so yeah. so what about um your own learning and sort of moving forward you've talked already about you know books and you know not necessarily you know having to or or, or needing to to read them because the, you know that stuff's out there and we you know we absorb it in other ways um you know you're talking about new technologies and and sort of um adopting that how do you keep moving forwards and keep making sure that you're you know learning what you need to learn um I think I would probably say that most of what I I find I think social media is wonderful. I mean, yes, it does my head in sometimes, and yes, it can make me incredibly um, depressed sometimes with with man's inhumanity to man in a in a, on the social media world. But um, actually, I think social media is fabulous because it it takes you down routes that you don't quite necessarily know where you're going to go, and you find things. And I've always enjoyed. Um, stumbling across stuff you know um mm -hmm. and then that is the joy of um the joy of flipping through a magazine or a newspaper is stumbling across stuff or it was the joy but you you can do that so beautifully on on online and you never yeah. know quite what you're going to find so um 
I am on Twitter and LinkedIn most days and I look at things that people post that sound interesting and I read about them and um, that helps me to think about new things. I mean, for example, um, I, I, may, I may not have read Dan Pink's book from cover to cover, but I've read enough of it, uh, you know, enough bits of it and extracts of it to, um, you know, to sort of know the gist of it. But I'm on his uh, mailing list. And um, just this morning, he sent he sent a little um, uh, email about his favourite books of the year, which is kind of classic, I suppose, at this time of year, isn't it? But but he was also he talked about a new technique or a technique that he's got that I hadn't come across before. And I thought, you know, that's rather good. And it was if you are starting to flag in terms of motivation, um, then to apply this, what he calls the J5M rule. Have you come across that? No, I haven't. No. Um, and it and it's basically it stands for just five more so if you've been plowing through your emails and you kind of want to stop then just just do five more and then stop if you are reading something that's not very interesting you know reading something then just read five more pages or just do five more minutes on the treadmill or so it's just five more of something whatever it yeah. is that you're starting to flag doing yes um and just say to yourself just five more um and his argument being that not only will you, at the very least, you will have done just five more of whatever it was that you were about to give up on. He said, but more than likely, you'll find yourself having done 10 more or 15 more or 20 yes. more without really realising it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, so you, you just stumble across this sort of stuff. And, you know, I stumble across all kinds of interesting things every day. And But then mm -hmm. again, as part of my job, um, it's my job to find interesting things to say to people. So we we have an online platform that includes learning and development um, material. And in that learning and development material, we are um, we go, we set out to read uh, interesting articles and papers around culture change, employee engagement and brand and so on. And then yeah. we we write we distill those down to their absolute essence because no one actually does have the time to read everything for all these days. Um, so as part of that platform, we distill good content down to bite-sized chunks of learning. Um, and so inevitably, I'm having to learn it myself because in order to do that, I've got to read it, you know. So, yes, so that's yeah, all. Yeah. But there's another, there's another thing that I think, you know, we waste an awful lot of time. Um, we talked about organisations losing their corporate memory and, um, you know, reinventing the wheel and starting things from scratch. But as individuals, we find ourselves having to do that a lot. But when projects, you, you sort of work on a project or you're having conversations about something and then it stalls for a bit and then it comes back again in a month's time. So you have to get yourself back up to speed with it again and then it stalls yeah. again and then it comes back. And every time you do it, you're having to go over the same old ground to get yourself back to where you were. And the kind of productivity technique that is aligned with that is, is the two-minute rule. Um, and that's to me is is a really something I really actively try and do is that if if I can do this task, if something comes into my inbox, for example, and it's going to let it's going to take me less than two minutes to deal with it, I'll do it there and then. Yeah. Um, rather than, um, you know, looking at it once, reading it, reading it and then thinking oh, I'll come back to that later, because actually coming back to it later, I've got to go through all that. I've got to go through that initial reading again. You know, so doing mm -hmm. if you can do it in two minutes and it's done um it's damn sight better than putting it on your to-do list and coming back to it later 
Yes. And, yeah, and, yeah. And I, I try and I try and do that. So that I suppose that's an extra little quadrant on Covey's quadrant, really, isn't it? That um, mm. if it can be done in two minutes, it doesn't matter where it is in that in that quadrant. Just get it out of the way. Just get on with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. Lovely. So just bringing the interview to a close. then, what about those um, days when things don't go right? How do you deal with that? Um, we've mentioned gin, I think, haven't we? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> what about when things don't go right? Um, OK, well, obviously they don't, do they? I mean, because all these things are, I think the trouble with as delightful as you're talking to you for the last half an hour has been and as delight and as great a concept as this is, and I think it is, one of the things that programs like this and and any other sort of um sort of self-help and, and guru type things can do is they can actually end up making people feel really um hopeless if yes, they're not careful inadequate. you know you can <laughs> yeah, feel yeah. you can feel oh my god they're all these amazing it's a bit like you know it's a bit like when you look at instagram and you see everybody's got fabulous children with no spots you know and and and, and everyone's having a lovely life and they're doing the most marvellous home cooking and all this, that and the other. And you can think that everyone's fabulous except you. And it, it can get to you. And I think it's a similar sort of thing with listening to people talking about how they do stuff. I mean, the God, you know, goodness sake, all the stuff I'm talking about, if I applied all this in my day to day life as brilliantly as I kind of imply that I do, I'd be a millionaire and I'm not. So you know, clearly there are times when we we all sort of go off the rails a bit. So so I don't it doesn't always go right. Um, uh, I think what I try to do and it doesn't again it doesn't always work because sometimes when things don't go right it really gets to you and I don't think there's anything anyone can do to stop that but I used to be I started out in sales my early career was in sales and yeah. telesales um, I was I was doing telesales in um, recruitment um, which has probably got to be one of the toughest gigs on the planet I would mm. think uh, in sales terms obviously there are harder jobs than that I grant you um, but you do you do learn and you do learn a natural resilience. Um, and one of the things that I did learn fairly early on was the ability to metaphorically put things into boxes if I couldn't do anything about it. Right. You know, literally in my mind, I would see myself putting this thing into a box and sealing it up with sticky tape and putting it away until yeah. I could come back to it. Um, and I can make myself do that actually. Um, so when things don't go right, I'll, I will try and put the things into the boxes until I can come back to them and and pick them up and try and start again. Um, wow. Yeah. That, that's what, yeah. That's, that's what I try to do. Said that in eighty-two uh, podcasts. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. So thank you. <laughs> there you are. It, it, yeah. There you are. I mean, it, you know, it's it's less easy to do at three when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning worrying yeah. about something. But, you know, that is a classic yeah, example yeah. where at three o'clock in the morning, there is nothing that you can do to sort this thing out. Um, so put it in a box, stick it to stick it down and park it and yeah, come yeah. back to it the next day. And, you know, I have I really do think that putting something away and then coming back to it is probably the, one of the best techniques and, and for getting to the, getting where you want to go to. I mean, it applies whether you're trying to do a crossword puzzle or a word puzzle or whether you're writing copy um, mm. what it, or trying to solve a problem. Have a go at something, put it away, go away, think about something else. Your brain will carry on working on it subconsciously. Mm. And then mm. when you go back to it, lo and behold, the answer's 
staring you in the face and yeah. um, you kind of wonder where it came from. Well, what it came from was inside you because actually you do know how to solve the problem. You just hadn't quite managed to get the answer to the top. Um, and then it, there it is, uh, job mm. done. I think it's also a, a nice example of learning something uh, sort of early in your career that you, you're continuing to apply. So, uh, you know, that was, that, that's interesting. Yeah. To hear too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So what about that? Day when you've ended the day knowing that you've lived more and that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you um, feel you have to do or you, you need to do what what's that day look like um, it depends whether I'm at work or at home mm -hmm. um, if I'm at work I think the kind of day where I I think the, the best days the most positive days are the days when I've met interesting people Mm -hmm. um, they don't have to be necessarily new people, but when I've met interesting people who've challenged me to think about something differently, um, yeah. not just, you know, people that agree with everything. We don't just sit there nodding and agreeing with each other about everything. People who've actually challenged you to think about something slightly differently or take a different perspective on something. So in other words, a day where I feel that I've actually grown in some way or other, um, learned something and I love learning new stuff I mean that's why I like building bots last week you know it was like great fabulous very exciting um and then but if I'm not at work and I'm at home because as I've already explained I like to keep these two things I'm rubbish at combining the two so they you know, have to be separate um if I'm at home it's also about growing things because I'll be best sort of days when I'm I've been digging the garden and I've got mud under my fingernails and the beans are growing and um that's that's a good yeah. day for me at home really yeah. so Lovely, lovely. So thank you so much for joining me, Joe. It's been great to actually um, speak to you, as we've said, on a podcast together rather than uh, separately or rather not speak That's, to each other. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. So, thank you for inviting me, Joe. So tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you. Oh, OK. Um, so I think I've already mentioned that um, Woodread is on Twitter. So it's uh, it, it's not just me. It's the, it's the team that tweet. But we are on Twitter as um, Tun Wells Woodies. Um, I am on LinkedIn, so simply um, look for Joe Moffat, M-O-F-F-A-T-T, -T, as you have already said, two T's at the end, um, <laughs> on LinkedIn. Um, come and have a look at our website, woodread.com, um, if you want to find out more about what we think about um, creating engaged workforces, using brand inside organisations. Um, there's a blog area in there as well, um, which uh, you, you, you can see. Um, and that'll give you a bit of a flavour of the sort of personality of, of the agency and what we're about. And, uh, we, you know, we'd love to see you there. Lovely. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All these show notes are available on the website. If you go to the link powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 86, you'll find those there. The tool that I shared on the newsletter last week was TouchNote. And if you send cards and postcards to people, then this would be an app that you might be interested in. Uh, I am getting increasingly poor at buying them and having them available and sending them. But what I do remember, uh, or what I do do once I remember I've got this app on my phone, is if I've been somewhere and I take a lovely photo of an event, or I've been with friends, I've stayed with them or whatever, then I use the app to create a thank you postcard or a card and actually send it to them through the app without any sort of faffing around in terms of getting printing done or finding postage stamps, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I was in France a few weeks ago and I spotted a photo on the side at my friend's house and I recognised it and to begin with I couldn't work out why 
And then I realised it was on a postcard that I'd actually sent them when I got home from my last stay with them to say thank you. And it was a photo of a flower from their garden that I'd taken. And then I used that to send them this thank you postcard using the TouchNote app. And you basically buy credits with them. And then when you have a card or postcard to send, you can just use a photo from your smartphone and upload it to make the card. And then it's just easy to add a message and send it using the address that's in your contacts for them. And it wings its way to them. Uh, And no trips to the post office required or scrabbling around for that postage stamp. And as I've just demonstrated, it goes abroad too. So I send regular thank you notes to my friends in France when I've stayed with them uh, through the, the app and you know I don't have to worry about what the postage is to France and that sort of stuff because it all just happens as part of it and the model is that you buy credits um, so the price varies because you basically spend a credit on a card and that's the price of that credit depends on how much the credits are when you buy them so for example Touchnote had a Black Friday offer where you could buy a pack of credits at a, a particular discount and they have deals that pop up occasionally for that too or you can buy them just sort of one credit at a time as you need to use it uh, so yeah Google Touchnote and uh, it's not the only option out there but you know it works really well for me and I use an iPhone so you know if that's what you're using that might be an option there is a, a web Uh, website version as well and I guess it's probably uh, a Google Play in fact I know there's a Google Play um, because I looked it up when I was doing my newsletter so it works on Android as well so yeah TouchNote was the tool that I shared last week and just to finish off uh, I'd just be interested if you're listening to this and you have some thoughts on what I'm about to tell you if you would be up for providing some feedback to me and if you are whether you could email me at joe at powertolivemore.com so I've been thinking recently about setting up a membership site and it's taken me a little while because I've been trying to think about what would be the most useful content for people and who my target market might be and I've been sort of thinking about who uh, not who who I want to work with but also uh, how I like to work and therefore what sort of membership site would work for my style as well as for the people that I am looking to help and I just had some idea tonight um, and thought I'd share it on the podcast and just see Uh, given you're a hopefully regular listener, maybe even just a one-time listener, (laughs) whether you have some thoughts or feedback for me uh, around this idea. And if you have, as I say, if you'd like to email me, joe at powertolivemore.com, then I'd really appreciate uh, hearing from you. And uh, I've been trying to sort of pull together all the stuff that I help people with and thinking about the fact that I've got loads of content and courses and sort of stuff that I can teach around you know, the the power to live more stuff. So productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable you to live more. So to get to do more of the things that you want to do. And I was trying to think about the types of people I prefer to work with. And and those are people who perhaps procrastinate a bit, uh, you know, want some help with some ideas around tools and systems and how to think about, you know, simplifying their life, what they want to do and what they don't want to do, how to look after their um themselves you know thinking about the self-care piece how to perhaps outsource to give you more time to do those things that you want to do and then that whole thing about sustaining so one of the five fundamentals being around how do you develop yourself so that you 
can keep this stuff going and you can keep moving forwards and keep growing as part of that as well. And I, as I say, I was thinking about the people I work with who are sort of a bit of a procrastinator sometimes, uh, sometimes want some accountability. So really want to work with somebody who is interested in what they're doing so that they can sort of report progress and and check in and and confirm that they're doing the things that they uh, have said that they're going to do. Uh, People who work from home, but also perhaps want some community. Uh, And, you know, that doesn't have to be face to face. And, uh, you know, a lot of what I do, I'm really comfortable working from home on my own. And I think that's because aside from my sort of introvert tendencies that don't always become apparent because I do talk a lot (laughs) and I am quite sort of out there when I'm in public. But actually, you know, my style in terms of getting energy is actually to be on my own. Uh, But actually, I think when I work from home, I'm not ever truly on my own because I've always got contact with people through Slack or text or WhatsApp or Facebook or or however it might be that I connect up with people. Uh, And so uh, my thoughts are around the idea of a virtual co-working community so so like you'd go out to a co-working space because you want to go and meet with people you know get some input have some conversations perhaps create a bit of accountability uh you know think about how you might push through some of that procrastination working alongside other people uh rather than just working sort of in solitary confinement in your dining room office or whatever at home um but you know, you might not have somewhere local that you want to go, or you might not want to go out to do that, or you might just feel that it's too distracting, or perhaps too expensive, or whatever, depending on, or, on what your local options are. Um, and I'm thinking that uh, a community online that provides that same support, so you know, communication, those water cooler moments, those you know, over the coffee discussions, some some learning. Uh, a, a massive level of community and some accountability would be something that uh, some people might be interested in. And that would really sort of fit with how I work with people and would then uh, create this sort of online opportunity for us. So um, if this is sort of ringing some bells for you, if it's really sort of sounding interesting or if it's sounding completely not (laughs) then I'd be really interested in your feedback you know is it something that you think sounds great and if it is why you'd be interested um, or what what you would want to be included to make it interesting for you Uh, if you think it sounds terrible then you know why that too because you know maybe it's just something that sounds good to me in my head this evening (laughs) while I'm thinking about it but actually in real life wouldn't be quite so good uh but you know I think it it is for a a certain type of person it's you know quite specific and obviously I need to be very clear about who those people are uh but yeah just interested I'm just sort of throwing that out there sharing that in a sort of um quite uh organic way uh not my usual style i don't think uh but yeah if you've got some thoughts i'd really love to hear from you so it's joe at powertolivemore.com and again the show notes for this show are uh powertolivemore.com forward slash 85 and a merry christmas and a happy new year from us both and we're actually going to take a week off as we missed a week last week so we'll be back on the 3rd of january we look forward to catching you then use your power to live more